I couldn't go for long retreats because of my family. I have family, you know, two two children, and so I couldn't leave them and go for a hundred day retreat. But I would wake up at night. I would do frequently night practice and thousand bows and and really a lot of practice. And and it was kind of encouraging because I I could see how much I am changing. I'm getting strength. I'm not so fearful and I something is opening up and I can you know I even can relate to my children with less stress and and you know I was seeing this in myself and it was really inspiring and encouraging so I continued I continued like uh, you know oxygen for me and like food for life I, I really did it because I, I I just realized this is my chance in this life. I didn't want to spend my life like sitting in the corner, corner frightened and, and sad. I really didn't like that. I didn't like this state of being miserable. I really wanted to get out of this state of mind. And because I had children, I wanted to give them something, and show them something. There is something more in this life. Zen Master Bonshim, Alexander Porter, is the regional Zen master for the Quantum School of Zen in Europe. As a young girl growing up in Krakow, Poland, she gravitated to the contemplative atmosphere and the smell of incense of the Catholic Church. In the silence, she found a safety she'd been longing for. But she desired to go beyond what she was being taught, to know that her life had meaning. In 1978, she began practicing with Zen Master Sungsan and was given Inca or permission to teach in 1992. In 2006, she received transmission. Today, she serves as the guiding teacher of Zen centers in Poland, Prague, the Czech Republic, and Spain, and frequently teaches in the United States. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off the cushion. I am your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Providence Zen Center, a residential Buddhist community in Cumberland, Rhode Island. The Providence Zen Center provides opportunities for short and long-term residency and holds retreats from one day to three months. For more information, please visit ProvidenceZen.org. So, Ola, can I call you Ola? Yes, of course. <laughs> Ola, you grew up in Poland mm-hmm. uh, under communism. Right. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit of the, the story of what it was like uh, growing up there and how that led you uh, into a Buddhist practice in in such a Catholic country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So communism is, uh, it was uh, kind of difficult times for everybody, dark, dark times, nothing to get excited about. You cannot, you couldn't buy really anything, Uh, no luxuries, no cars, no, no, fun, no, you know, 
nothing really interesting, exciting. You could you could only uh, live your your life in a very simple and uh, kind of sad way because because there was uh, also no hope, like nothing to look forward to. Uh, no freedom, no free speech, and, yeah, and kind of uh, uh, people were not uh, polite, not nice to each other because, of course, everybody felt uh, hardship uh, going through life, and so not uh, not too many smiling faces. You you go to a, a bus or a tram and. You know, nobody is really into making any contact and smiling or anything like that, or or not even mention talking and interacting. That that was completely out of question. So, kind of sad atmosphere. Uh, yeah, and uh, with a, with a strong Catholic. Uh, Practices and beautiful churches. Like uh, I, I, I stayed. I lived in Krakow for many years, so that was my big relief visiting the churches after uh, after I started to do gymnastics and it was kind of good at that. But still, the spiritual side is lacking for something. Uh, something bigger, something which I couldn't really name it or, or yeah, recognize or relate to. It was, it was there. It was very strong. Uh, so I would, I would go to church after my training and, and stay there. And like how I see it now, that was my first meditation started there in the church when the church was empty and, and, and you know, the feeling of, of something strong and powerful and beautiful smell, it was really a, like recharging batteries. I could, at quick, at quick, I could continue, I could go on with my life and, and yeah. And, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, already, I always already, you know, wanted to um, wanted to develop this side of my myself. Like uh, questions appeared, like well, what is this? Why why we have this difficult life? Why some of my friends have easier uh, situation than others? Some really struggle, and some kids are more happy than the others. I could. It, it was kind of painful for me to see that. And I was in a, uh, from a, a difficult family, not really loving family. My mother was always busy working. My father was uh, kind of touring. He was a professional guide, so he was always away doing something. And so I couldn't rely on them. And uh, yeah, so I, I was kind of lonely. I, and, yeah, always looking for something, something which will, you know, help me to not to be, uh, not to have so much fears. I wanted to do something about my fears and my loneliness at first, and uh, kind of uh, 
I was a very shy person as well, so it was hard for me to communicate with 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 people and and to go out and you know to have some some joy in life. Uh, so I was a kind of very sad person. And how how old were you when you were going to these you know Catholic churches after practice? I I started to to do this gymnastic training when I was seven, and uh, when I yeah, I continue, and I think that my church's period was when I was about eight, nine, ten, because it took a few years. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you were going into these places, these churches after gymnastics, just to sit in silence? Yes, yes. I, yeah. So young. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I had this, uh, you know. Uh, idea. I wanted to be a saint. I, I wanted to, <laughs> you know, leave the, the society and live like a saint. I don't know. It, it, it for me. It had, you know, that was this vision. The saints are are having something, some maybe extra uh, abilities. You know, they and maybe have, freedom. Maybe we freedom also, as well, and and some joy and some happiness. Yeah. Right, which I really didn't have it, and and yeah, so I, I I it was like it was at some point it was not enough. I wanted to get some information. What can I do? How can I improve? Uh, how can I become saint? <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to priests, but they only only they only keep telling me, you know, you pray to God, you pray to God, God. We help you, and and he did. I met the Zen master, and you know, like I was, uh, uh, yeah. Finally, somebody, you know, how Zen master Sung San came to Poland. Uh, we already in Poland, we had this group, uh, Kaploroshi. Oh yeah, they three were, pillars of Zen. Yes, they were they were first. They. They made the Zen Center not in Krakow, outside of Krakow. And uh, yeah, they published the three pillars of Zen. And I read this and I was very interested because I read about enlightenment. And it sounded for me like, yeah, enlightenment, that's, that's my freedom. That's my joy. And that's my, you know, getting out of, of this miserable situation. So... I was look, really look. I went for a workshop with uh, this Kaploroshi group. He was not there, but this group was already quite strong, and they had a beautiful zendo, and they were organizing workshops uh, frequently. So I went for this one workshop, and but I didn't like it. It was too 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 strong, too much shouting and and hitting the stick, and you couldn't say anything so the atmosphere was not not really pleasant mm. but at this workshop i met a man i don't know if i knew him before but somehow he approached me and he he asked me how do you like that i said you know i like meditation i see there is something in it i, I but this style is, is too much and i don't like this shouting and, and and hitting the stick they were hitting the stick on the floor when somebody moved so that was too much for me. And then he said, don't worry, in two weeks, Zen Master Sung San will come to Krakow. 
the Korean Zen master, and he said to me, I'm sure you will love it. And yeah, and, and I said, how come? How, how, you know, Zen master is coming to Krakow? How? And he said, I invited him. I was... <laughs> <laughs> That's how, yeah. <laughs> he said, I went to United States, and I went uh, to some, you know, uh, talk, Dharma talk, uh, he gave Dharma talk in some place at, at the university. He was kind of a scholar guy. And I really liked it. And I invited him just, you know, like, oh, I would really love you to come to Poland. And the Master Song Sun said, okay, when do you want me to come? <laughs> just like this, you know. He didn't wow. ask many questions. He was, okay, I will come. Tell me when and, and you know whatever needs to be arranged and, and talk to my students and I will come. <laughs> wow. Yeah, just like this. And he did. So he invited him, this man invited him and he came to, to Poland, you know, and yeah, the first retreat was like a few Polish people and eight American students came with the Master Song Sun and we had our first retreat and first precept ceremony and and I was it was it. I, I knew this is my path. I They had precepts on that first visit. Yes. Yes, we had wow. a precept ceremony. Very traditional Korean style precepts. Not like now we had this really uh, painful painful style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little wax string that they light the string on your arm. And right. it starts to burn, and so I have big signs, but probably I, I need it. And yeah, we had this first precept ceremony. It was not many people, but next time, next time he came, it was already uh, more people, and every time, every every other time, it was more and more people coming. And yeah, and the, the place grew, the Zen Center grew, the group, the Sangha grew. We had no place at that time, but the Sangha grew and more people were interested. And, and so this is in 1978. Yes. And I'm wondering just what the climate was in Poland that a Korean Zen master could come. Um, you know, I, I don't really know mm -hmm. what it was like then and or how restrictive or... Yeah. Or, or, you know, yeah, yeah, it was not easy because we had no... You know, he was he was actually born in North Korea, and and even with oh. South Korea, we had no no uh, how do you say? He was not our ally. ally. Oh, we had my. no political uh, you know situation with with South Korea. Uh, right, I imagine. Not agreement. Was... I I don't right. I don't know this word, but there was no like agreement. A yeah, with some with some countries, uh, communist countries, they had some agreement they could, you know, enter. But with uh, South Korea, there was no agreement, and so it was very difficult to arrange a visa for him. Every time, you know, sometimes he wouldn't come because they just wouldn't give him visa. You, you, we never knew if it will work or not. So sometimes it didn't, but this first time. Luckily, it did. Maybe they didn't know what it is. And, and it was like, they, yeah. So they gave him visa. And all these American students, they also got visa. So it was possible. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting for me to think about 
the hunger and the desire uh-huh. the Sangha must have had for a teacher. Uh-huh. I mean, I so I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and right. you really you can't spit without hitting a Buddhist teacher here. There's so many, <laughs> uh, you know, and and I think as a result, some people are like, oh, I like this one, I don't like that one, and uh-huh. they hop around. Uh-huh. Um, and just for me to try to imagine what it was like to to work so hard to try to get a visa for your teacher to visit, and you just might not know, and uh-huh. it seems like a a quality of the sangha that you know I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah, maybe I'm romanticizing it. I I don't know, but I no, you don't. It was it was it was quite amazing. You know, it, the people were. When they listened to him, he was like, you know, giving giving the hope for for everybody, uh, talking about, you know, the inside freedom, because outside mm. there was no freedom. But he talked about inside inside freedom, finding your true nature, which is not depending on, on the outside situation, and finding your, you know. Uh, strong center and things like that. The people were really, it was like the best medicine for people at that time because they were so suppressed by the system. And and Hmm. so he was, and he was powerful. He was a powerful, wasn't like, you know, he was powerful teacher really coming from a very strong background like with all this uh, all the practice he did in korea and and his experiences and so you could you could see this is a quite special person it's not uh, you know ordinary human being he, he had this strong power and humor and energy and and, and people loved it yeah, it makes me think that there must have been a real charisma because yeah. the, I never I never met him, um, but I heard his English was not that good. And also, you know, here he is in Poland, and I'm sure he didn't speak Polish. So, uh, you know, I'm guessing he spoke to you in English, and mm-hmm. and yet, you know, over that transom of the language, somehow people were connecting to the teaching. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of Dharma, you know. Somehow, even with his poor English, uh, somehow we really connected. He could connect to people. It was a good translation, and, and it was like his English was good enough to to express, you know, for him to express what what he wanted to express it, and and to you know give us joy and and. It was it was really always very happy times when he came because he mm. had, as you know, he had this uh, great humor, sense of humor, and laughing a lot, and and yeah, the energy. There was something about this this energy, very strong and very like he was really believing in himself hundred percent and believing in what he's saying, and and so everybody believed him and and. And so what, I've watched several of your videos online, and there's a common theme, which is suffering. Yeah. Uh, which you would think would be a common theme in, in a lot of Buddhist talks, um, and, and with some teachers it is. I mean, it's right in the Four Noble Truths, but you really talk about it a lot. But you also talk about uh, transformation mm-hmm. and the 
the possibilities of transformation. And I'm wondering if uh, you can say a little bit about maybe your journey of transformation, the journey you've seen with your students. Mm -hmm. As as I mentioned, I had this strong feeling of sadness always in me. Uh, And, and, you know, at some point I thought I would, I would never be able to transform that into anything, you know, into a joy or or anything like that. And so that was the sadness, one thing, and, and fears like strong fears, probably because of not uh, support, and, uh, not being able to to find any strength and, and support in the family. But those two things were like big hindrance for me. I couldn't connect to people, I couldn't interact, and I couldn't like move smoothly through life and, and through decisions, etc. So... I just, uh, when I heard this teaching, it was like, uh, for me, it was like, yes, this is it. I can, I can, you know, I can uh, go beyond my limits. This is probably the best medicine. If anything works in this world and in my life, this is it. And I begin with my practice, like, intensely and consistently every day and and bowing meditation like 500 bows a day and uh, yeah yeah i was doing this for for most of my practicing times and and frequently i would do uh, 1000 bows for 100 days Uh, i couldn't go for long retreats because of my family i have family you know, two, two children, and so I couldn't leave them and go for a hundred-day retreat. But I would wake up at night. I would do frequently night practice and thousand bows, and and really a lot of practice. And and it was kind of encouraging because I I could see how much I am changing. I'm getting strength. I'm not so fearful, and I something is opening up, and I can you know I even can relate to my children with less stress and and you know i was seeing this in myself and it was really inspiring and encouraging so i continued i continued uh, yeah it was like uh, you know oxygen for me and like food for life i i really did it because i i I just realized this is my chance in this life. I didn't want to spend my life like sitting in the corner, corner frightened and, and sad. I really didn't like that. I didn't like this state of being miserable. I really wanted to get out of this state of mind. And because I had children, I wanted to give them something and show them something there is something more in this life and we can we can all enjoy ourselves. And so yeah, I had this strong uh, motivation really to, to to practice every day intensely, even though having family, etc. But nothing could stop me. It was it was probably because I really had enough of this being being uh, lonely and sad and and frightened. I, I really had enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened? 
And yeah, it 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 kind of, it was transforming. I could see some. It's really changing. It's really changing. I'm more open. I I I have more joy. The sadness, you know, it's so funny because at some point I just realized I'm not sad anymore, and I was so uh-huh. so surprised because you don't really see like day to day what's happening, right? But I remember this moment when I just realized, wow, I'm not sad anymore. I don't have this deep sadness in myself. It already transformed and I have more joy. It was like that. It was really like amazing to see this. And, and you know, later I became a teacher and, and I encouraged people. And I, you know, and they, some of them, some strong students, they, they also practice intense, in an intense way. And, and they were changing. Now some of them are, you know, like, like this one, one, the student in Barcelona, she's running a wonderful Zen center. This is the the most successful Zen center at the moment in Europe, where most people are coming, going there and, and practice. I don't know, at least some students, they have this, uh, because as you, as you know, I talk a lot to students, and some students, they have this idea, if I practice, my life will change, and everything will change, I will be happy, and, and, and I will get a good job, and good girlfriend, I will just get whatever I need, and I will be happy. But it doesn't really work like that. It's just, you know, you practice, and you becoming more clear, and more clear, and you see what you need to do. And, and that's, that's how, how practice works. You're not so clouded. We are really clouded in, in everyday life. We don't really see clearly what we are doing and what, what we want, what's necessary. And we don't see very clearly cause and effect, for example, which is the most basic law. And we don't see how our, uh, our action, our behavior, our attitudes are influencing ourselves, our life, and other people. So that's, that's, that, that's a little problem. It feels like right now in the United States, but also in other parts of the world, there is a lot of suffering. And maybe I'm just sort of picking up on it now. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, there's always been suffering here, but there really seems to be this angst and anxiety and sort of a turn towards, you know, strong man and wanting answers, and mm-hmm. um, which I don't, I'm not convinced will relieve suffering. I'm wondering when you look at the world, what you think Zen Buddhism has to offer mm-hmm. humanity, the people. Like, why do practice? Yeah, it's very simple for you. Practice makes people aware and more kind and more patient, more conscious of, of at least cause and effect, the most basic law. So, so that's what, what practice does. And this is like, you know, the most important from po- like starting point you can you can do whatever you want in life, but if you if you don't understand that uh, there is a cause and effect, and if you 
if you don't understand that uh, you know we we all live together in, on this planet and there is this law of independency we all depend on each other nobody's interdependency interdependency that's right thank you we, we depend on each other and uh, yeah if we don't understand this very simple laws we don't know how to you know how to manage uh, our life and yeah there's too much selfishness and self-importance so that's what buddhism does it opens your eyes and you see i'm not alone on this planet i really need to uh, take care of other people i need to care of others otherwise yeah we all we all will destroy this world you know we all will be we we all die. That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we all die. Oh we all die. We all die. That's it. <laughs> we all die anyway. But uh, yeah, maybe better to to go on a natural co- course, not not uh, yeah. making a really like hell in this world. We can see now. I don't know how it is in United States, but in Europe, it looks like uh, you know beginning of something uh, really dramatic. We have such a hot summer; it was never like that. It's it's really so hot. It's so hard to and everywhere in whole Europe, it's so hot. Not enough rain, you know. So we can see it's it's a, yeah, it's cause and effect. It's very clear. So it's interesting that you just sort of tied the environment in and and you think understanding yourself through through Buddhism will actually change that part of the world as well. Yeah, absolutely because uh, you know, it's a lack of of uh, being care, really looking around what is going on, what is happening in, in this world. And being less selfish, not not just focused on what is my good situation, my life, but just looking around, looking at other people's lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Zen Master Bonshim encouraging and helpful for your practice. If you would like to sit a retreat with Zen Master Bonshim, you can find her teaching schedule at Quanum Europe. That's K-W-A-N-U-M Europe.org. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Providence Zen Center. If you would like to deepen your practice commitment, I encourage you to explore PZC's residential and retreat opportunities. You can find all of that information at ProvidenceZen.org. If you would like some guidance on how to meditate, there are some videos you can watch at providencezen.org slash videos. My name is Ian Whitemar, and I hope you'll join me again next week.